Welcome back, people of Earth, once again to the CHGO Sky Podcast. As always, a part of the All City Network, the most dangerous Chicago Sky Podcast on the planet Earth. And we appreciate you joining us today. We got a special guest in the building, Terika Foster Brasby, ESPN, CBS Sports, ESPN Sports, co host of Around the Rim Podcast and producer with LaChina Robinson and we had to do it today. We let a Detroit native on the show. I know it's difficult. Uh, graduate of Pershing High School. And as she said on her Instagram, just a girl from the east side of Detroit, Seven Mile Road. Steven, we got you in here. Tarika, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm currently in Brooklyn. So awaiting um, game four for the WNBA finals. But honestly, um, it's just, it's never a dull moment over in the WNBA. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to talk about that. There was some news that dropped about the last 20 minutes about the finals that could change pretty much every narrative that we've had. But of course, we got to show love to our co-host, the best X's and O's man this side of the Mississippi River, coming on the PHNX Sports this fall and winter covering the Phoenix Suns. And as always, the guy that I go to when somebody makes a Spain pick and roll and I need to ask what exactly that was, Stephen Garner. What's going on? How y'all feeling today? Steven, Steven, see, uh, Tariqa, Steven likes to do this thing where every so often he'll throw on that Illinois State shirt because he knows I went to Bradley. Oh, and, uh, man, listen, the real, the real red school in Illinois, you know how that go. Come on now. When, when was the last time y'all went to the Sweet 16? Hey, you're asking too many questions right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right? We're supposed to be talking about the sky, sir. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Let's talk about the sky. The big news, the big news, the biggest news for the sky in 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 a couple of months, where it seems like they just keep dropping uh, big hits in the off season. Teresa Weatherspoon was named franchise head coach, uh, the new franchise head coach for the sky going into the twenty twenty four season. Uh, I think it was expected, but we had some time to deliberate on possible names. And if you've watched any of the shows in the past few weeks, you know that we were you know, going back and forth on where things were going to go. But Teresa Weatherspoon is the new head coach of the Sky, and she's going to pretty much go immediately to work because the Sky have an offseason looming ahead of them with free agency decisions, uh, the practice space facility that is in the works of getting, being built, uh, Dwayne Wade being added to the ownership group, and coming off a season where just about everything that could go sideways did, and they still made the playoffs. So now you got to figure out what your place is in the WNBA where the two top teams are, you know, some might say super, some might say not. <laughs> but Tarika, what was your thoughts on Teresa Weatherspoon? We'll start right there. Yeah, I, I love this hire, honestly. Um, I'm one who is very big on allowing our previous greats of the game to come back and give to the game in the way of coaching. And Teresa Weatherspoon is no stranger to coaching. I mean, she has been a head coach at her alma mater, Louisiana Tech, um, for several years before moving into um, the WNBA space. Um, and then we know that she was also coaching um, with the New Orleans Pelicans, one of many WNBA players who had the opportunity to coach um, at the NBA level. And I think that what this just does is just continue to solidify how important greats of our game have been and will be. Um, she had such a respective voice 
in that Pelicans organization. Many times we heard people talk about how much Zion Williamson respected her, listened to her. Um, she was in the running at one point for the, of the Phoenix Mercury head coaching position and New Orleans fought to keep her. They were like, nah, we're not really trying to give you up. So I think all of that just kind of speaks to um just kind of speaks to her character um she's a former defensive player of the year it makes me think that defense is definitely something that's going to be um at the head of her um at the head of what she wants to do um as she gets ready to step into this new role and what i really love most um is that she is one who understands what it means to win you know as we look at the new york liberty right now being in the finals um teresa weatherspoon was one of the faces of that franchise she was one of the stars of that franchise at the time when they were winning at a time when they were one of the top teams in the wnba so i love all of what she's going to bring um to the chicago sky team it's especially after the 2023 season that they had yeah for me <clears throat> we keep speaking to the trend of uh, former WNBA players, especially the greats, whether that was a great as an all-time great or great as something specific on the floor. Look at Becky Hammond. You see the resurgence she took from what was prior to her. I don't even need to go into all of that. How she not just changed the culture, but the general perception and the energy around the franchise. It all did like a complete 180 under Becky's tutelage. And it was almost instant to where you could see the players are walking around. They don't have like this straight face where it's all business. They're having fun. We see Sid and, and Asia dancing behind Becky's back during games. Obviously, they're winning, so that facilitates more. <laughs> but you're not going to do that if the you're not having fun working. And if you're not having fun working, it's just not going to – like the winning is not going to come the same way that it would if there's winning and the fun coming as a tandem. And I think the sky, like not that the sky had a stale taste in any capacity with James Wade or anybody else prior to that, but I just think that with the gray area that we've been seeing from them in terms of direction pertaining to the future, having something solidified in place, and like we talked about in the last episode, Chris, it being done as quickly as possible so that things can be processed through thoroughly from uh, from a coaching perspective as far as who she wants on the roster and also finding a GM that can facilitate that even more. This is buying them enough time to do that. But I think the big thing is just getting that big domino to fall, which is the head coach. And, I mean, Tariqa already said a lot about everything that Teresa has experience-wise as a coach. I would also like to add just the, the fact that she's been known for player development and that specific dynamic being brought to the Chicago sky, that's going to lend itself towards them investing in future assets. And the most popular future asset in Chicago right now is Dana Evans. She has one more year left on her deal, I believe. And there's going to be a lot to prove in that. And she's going to have a player, a legend, that played at that same position as her, that plays eerily similar to her defensively in terms of the activity, picking up full court, getting steals, being a pest. That's going to be something leadership-wise that you just can't replicate. And I feel like if you're going to invest in Dana or just generally finding your next point guard, having Teaspoon there is going to help with that a ton. That's a really good That's point, really good. man. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the season, the past season and the season before that, about where Dana's place in the team is. You know, will she move into that starting point guard role? How is her game developing? 
and having a player like Teresa Weatherspoon there who plays similarly to similarly to Dana, um, not as necessarily as much um, as of, on the offensive side of the ball or, or seeking out her own shot as Dana, but somebody who picked up 94 feet, who guarded the perimeter with uh, ferocity and covered that role for her team so that she didn't necessarily have to score. I think plays a lot into where Dana's trying to improve, not just with defense, but with her ability to see the floor and get teammates open and get them in the spaces. And also, this is big for fans because we know how Chicago Sky fans feel about Dana Evans, (laughs) how much they want her to stick around. And going into that point about what you both said about getting a head coach this quickly, I think in Chicago, we're used to decisions coming gradually And it's been a real, uh, dare I say, a treat for me to see this guy move quickly on these moves that they had to make, but while still taking time and evaluating their choices thoroughly, I think is, I didn't really expect it to happen this way, this fast. And like, we're still, you know, they're still trying to find a general manager, at least still waiting to announce a general manager. But I expected this hire to come, I don't know, late, late October, November, something like that, because that's what we're used, that's what I feel like we're used to in Chicago sports. You know, what I would say is it makes a lot of sense that you would want to secure your head coach this early because going into free agency, what you want to do is you want to build some type of camaraderie between your head coach and your general manager. I'm so happy. Lord knows I'm so happy. <laughs> that Chicago has gotten rid of this shared responsibility between the sh- the head coach and the general manager. I can't tell you how happy I am about it because <laughs> I remember like I cover, I have to cover Connecticut, right? I have to cover the Connecticut, the Connecticut side. And I had been covering that team for a while. And when Kurt Miller was there, he was also someone who had that shared responsibility of general manager and being a head coach. And the biggest thing that I always find to be problematic is you have to decide, am I going to put on my GM hat and look towards building for the future? Or do I do I have to put on my head coach hat and look towards winning right now? And depending on what your roster looks like, that's a difficult decision that you'll have to make. James Wade found himself having to make that decision a couple of years ago when you got Candace Parker on the market and you got you 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 need to make some moves because you have a prime opportunity to bring in someone that's going to help make a champion. When you're faced with that same situation a year later, knowing that you have people leaving, knowing that you had some free agents that are like, we bought the bounce and head to some other places. Now you're looking at, well, how do I build for the future? The positive about Chicago is that they had pieces there that could absolutely help sustain them for the future. But how do they work together? What's that one or two different things that we're missing in order to be able to put us back where we were, if not extend that a little bit further? And the longer that you wait to put a coach in place or a general manager in place, the the less time you are having to make those kinds of decisions. So it makes so much sense that you'd want to get, you know, Teresa here and get her in the position to look at what this roster looks like get to know whoever that general manager is going to be talk about what decisions you guys need to make together how do i make my roster stronger who can we target or not target or who do we sign or not resign like what are the moves that we need to make and that makes so much sense for chicago to do um i like that this new ownership group seems to 
want to kind of shift the reputation that's been surrounding um, the sky ownership over the last few years. And, and to me, this was one of the ways that they can say to their fan base, hey, listen, we hear you. We know what's up. We know what needs to be done. We're going to take the steps to do that. And I really feel like, you know, Spoon wants to make this an opportunity to continue to grow the women's game, but continue to grow opportunities for former players and Hall of Famers who really deserve their spots to be recognized in this league. And trust, we're going to talk about um, coaches deserving their spots later on in the show. Uh, that's a that little uh, tease right there. You hear how I'm teasing it. You hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we talked. We showed uh, Teresa Weatherspoon's uh, coaching experience, and I know some people might not know that she had, was the head coach of the Westchester Phantoms in the old ABA, well, the old new ABA, uh, back in 07-08 before she went to Louisiana Tech. Uh, started out as an assistant coach and then got the interim head coach in rolling 09 before becoming head coach um, that's at the end of that season. And then after uh, leaving the program there, she went to New Orleans Pelicans, started out as two-way player development coach, and then moved up to the assistant coaching role. And really interesting, again, that you mentioned that the Phoenix Mercury wanted her as head coach uh, before they ended up hiring Vanessa Nygaard, and now they're in the situation they are in today. So obviously it's it's – even if it wasn't, even if it was just Teresa Weatherspoon off the street, it's not like it would be out of left field. She has the experience, um, had a solid record with Louisiana Tech, uh, took them to the postseason a couple of times, two times in the NCAA first round after going to the WNIT uh, before that, and I think she only finished with one losing record there. Now the the same, you know, you can't say necessarily from going from college to the pros is the same. We've seen that with coaches on any sporting level in the past. But outside of just the free agency decisions, what do you think this team is going to look like next year? How will she put her stamp on it? How will it, you know, marry with her identity as a player, as a person? You, you know, I think you, I think Steven nailed it a little bit a few mo moments ago when he talked about Dana Evans and her defense. I think knowing how Spoon played the game, knowing what was important to her. Um, I feel like the defensive identity of this team is really what can help propel them to the next level. And she might be looking for players that will continue to kind of buy in on that philosophy. Now she doesn't need that buy-in from Dana. Dana gonna give it to her. She gonna, she gonna, <laughs> Dana gonna get you D. That's, that's bottom line. You're not gonna need to get that buy-in from Courtney Williams. I know she's an unrestricted free agent, but if she remains, she's somebody that knows how to D up. Um, I feel the same way about Elizabeth Williams. Elizabeth Williams is your rim protector. She's going to make sure that the balls come down. She's going to control the paint. She's going to protect the glass. I think that's how you do it. You have to get that buy-in. And you still got Isabel Harrison, who potentially will be coming back this year as well. Um, didn't play last year because she was injured, but she gives you size. You know what I mean? Now, she ain't, ain't the strongest defender, but she gives you size, and that is where that player development comes into place, where you can absolutely utilize her in that way, and Spoon is one of the best people that can help get you there. Um, so I feel like this team already has an identity for defense, but all you need to do is just add that additional layer and that additional oomph that Spoon can get to you to help hone in on this being your team's identity. I look at Dallas as a team that did that. They had shooters galore, right? Very true. It took Latricia Trammell to reel it in and say, hey, listen, um, 
we can shoot all day and miss and have crazy efficiency numbers, but it's not going to make any difference if we can't stop the other team. And so you started to see them develop a defensive identity to go along with their shooting prowess. I feel like Chicago has the potential to be in that same conversation. And Spoon is such a great person to help put them there. I think you just made multiple great points. <clears throat> I'll even take it one step further. Rebecca Gardner, of course, she isn't officially with the team either, but <clears throat> that's a guard that also can switch to forward and guard yeah, basically yeah. one through four effectively. She was missing from the plot for the team outside of two games this season. If she's back, in addition to Izzy, like you mentioned, with the pieces that are currently under contract, that makes a huge difference in terms of your, your entire outlook defensively. That gives yeah, you yeah. so many pieces because Rebecca, Chris remembers, and I'm sure you remember as well, Tarika, Rebecca unlocked so much for Kalia Copper defensively that as a tandem, those two were just wreaking havoc on everybody. I mean, everybody um, the season before last. So having Rebecca back, I'm sure is going to be something that's at the top of her list of things in terms of players that she wants to bring in. And I'm going to take it even a step further. You mentioned Dana Evans. I think that Dana might be a season away from truly taking the reins at the point guard's position as a starter. She can learn from two players that are free agents and two players that also exude a lot of the same intangibles that uh, Teaspoon did as a player. Natasha Cloud and Skylar Dillian-Smith. Mm. Now, the Sky have funds in terms of their cap space. How they go about facilitating that is a whole other story and how you divide it up to obviously fill the rest of the voids on the roster. <clears throat> but if you can nab one of those two players, and as an aside, Dana Evans mentioned earlier this season to me that Skylar Diggins-Smith is a player that's had as much impact on her game and her approach to the game as any other player. So if you're investing in her full-time uh, looking forward, who better to help teach her the game? Not that she needs to learn it more, but just add more nuance to it than a player that not just exudes what the coach wants and that head coach and point guard relationship is as important as any, but somebody that could also be a quote-unquote mentor on the fly to Dana before she takes that next big step to ultimately being the franchise's point guard for potentially the future to come. I'm just kind of looking at it from that context, and the puzzle pieces just kind of make too, too much sense to fit. There's multiple options that point guard you can go with to help with Dana, but also to – uh, optimize Dana in her current role as well as optimizing Coach Teaspoon as she brings in a new franchise as the head coach. Can I throw this out there real quick too? I know that it won't be this year like the 2024 year because she's already technically signed I believe a one year extension in Seattle but let's not rule out Jewel Lloyd. Mm. Jewel Lloyd is absolutely someone that we could still give consideration to and she's from the Chicago area. And we know some people tend to like to want to come home. I think Candace helped to really hone in on coming home and making something happen, getting wins for the home team. Um, not just, you know, in this league, but across leagues. LeBron James is someone who I could also pinpoint going home to Cleveland, making it happen, and then continuing to do him. So I feel like when you're talking about getting experience, I think we learned this year that Jewel isn't necessarily the vocal kind of leader, but still a leader nonetheless. And when you talk about a championship experience point guard that could really set your team on fire, let's not forget that she could absolutely be someone that could be considered around 2025. So 
I think that we, you know, just got to keep our mind open for that. I'm putting stuff out in the atmosphere. You know, I'm just throwing it. I'm just throwing it out there. If somebody throwing it in the atmosphere. Throwing it up. If you catch it, you catch it. But just saying. You know, anything, anything is possible in this era of the WNBA. People were talking about Brianna Stewart leaving and going to New York. How many seasons before this past summer? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on <laughs> behind closed doors that we don't always know about. As Tariqa knows better than either one of us. <laughs> so. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, when Jules signed the deal, I figured that okay, it was a done deal. But you're right, it's a one year deal, and we saw Brianna Stewart sign that same one year deal with Seattle, um, basically to go chase one more, and then everybody turned out to be right. I'm the person who is like, I don't believe rumors until the rumor comes true. And so I was like, okay, Brianna Stewart might leave, but they still got Jewel Lloyd. They still got young talent. They still had Ezzy already who was developing. And then it happened. And then Joe Sy was like, um, here's this money right here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think that not only that, not only that, we know that Gwendolyn Lloyd is a is a presence in the city <laughs> at games on Twitter, one of the most wholesome personalities in the entire league. Um, not to mention that her and Don Williams on the sideline would be a ridiculous conversation. Come shut down Wintrust. <laughs> <laughs> Gwendolyn Lloyd on Sir Mac Road, bro. I mm, it would be it would be bananas. But we got quite the questions I think come in there. Where where do you do you resign Courtney Williams? We haven't mentioned Alana Smith in terms of Elizabeth Williams and Isabel Harrison because the the real really it paved the it opened the door for Alana to get the playing time and to have the season she had because Izzy unfortunately got hurt in the preseason. Now she's coming back. She's been working really hard during the season, gonna be working hard in the offseason to get back to her her shape and better. And then you have Elizabeth Williams who put together an outside, you know, a fringe defensive player of the year campaign this year. So uh, to both of you, as we as we got Rob's firearm safety, you know, I mean, shout out to Rob. Firearm safety is important. Uh, defense is all about effort. They played with that. Teaspoon will take it to another level. Definitely believe that. But we're talking about defense with those bigs. Does Alana Smith fit on this team next year? I'll let you go first, Steven. Yes. Uh, I think Alana, Chris, as we talked about all season, um, she fits with anybody's roster because she's just a player that absolutely does not care. She's going to be the first to hit the floor. She's going to grab offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, add all types of versatility on defense and offense. So, yeah, she fits. So I'm going to kind of tweak the question and say, does she fit financially? Because if you talk about the sky needing to invest in a point guard that Teaspoon wants to invest in in terms of facilitating the type of offense that she wants to run and also being ahead of the snake defensively in that starting lineup. That's going to be a big box that has to be checked off in terms of paradigm. I think it was head coach, general manager, and then starting point guard in that order. So check one, check two is imminent at the moment. And then check three is going to come hopefully quick in free agency. Um, So I don't think she fits financially just because she has such a great season that was unexpected She's gonna she earned she earned a certain dollar amount. And I'm not sure if the sky can facilitate that while also addressing the other needs that they need to address in terms of starting point guard and adding one more piece in the front court that has some more size. So 
in terms of looking at it from that lens, I'm gonna say no. But in terms of her skill and what she brings to the floor, one thousand percent yes. You nailed it. You you nailed exactly what I was gonna say. That I don't know that Chicago is going to be able to afford her at this point because of how well she played. She took advantage of the fact that Izzy was not there, and she really showed that she is. I think probably one of the underrated defenders at her size yes. um, in this league. And as an unrestricted free agent, there are now going to be teams who could utilize her. Whereas you already got Izzy locked down. I want to say 150, 160,000 on her contract. You already got Elizabeth Williams locked down. So you pretty much got your post players locked down. Alana is really someone who I think is going to want to maximize how well she played last season, specifically in a starting role and going to really look to see what other teams can offer her. Cause let's be real. There's some teams out there that could absolutely use utilize Alana Smith right now. Um, I think it'd be great if she was able to come back, but then you also think about how her role is going to change if she does come back. So you won't really see her in the same position, barring any injuries, and of course, everyone remains healthy. So I think the best move for um, for her would be to try to go ahead and just and see what other teams are going to offer her, go ahead and see what's out there, take advantage of having such a, a, a phenomenal season. But Courtney Williams is someone that I would try to advocate to have. She has playoff experience. She has finals experience. She can be a deadly shooter from the perimeter. And again, she can add a different level of defense. When Courtney turns up, she turns up, right? And so um, I think that's a piece that you want to continue to utilize and keep on your roster. Alana's a piece I think you may have to come to terms with letting go. Now, going to that, as I, I, I agree with what you both said about Courtney Williams, Stephen, we've talked about Alana Smith and how she, pro you know, she probably priced herself out of this guy's uh, range with the season that she had. Uh, interestingly enough, I think Phoenix could use her where she was mm -hmm. last before Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, but with she would be Courtney so Williams, really nice to Brittany Griner. That's she like would. Topic. She spaces the floor and she does all the other stuff that she does on the defensive side. It would just be a perfect marriage for her to go back there. Like part That's of me is surprised team. that they they weren't able to utilize her in a similar fashion when they had her. I was watching Game Four of the Finals uh, from 2021 two days ago, and then I was like, "Oh, that's Alana Smith." <laughs> Mm -hmm. so I, I completely forgot. Yep. With with the Courtney Williams thing, it reminds me. Um, this is this is a little off field, but when the Blackhawks had Brian Bickle, they people were asking, it's like, why would you keep this guy who doesn't necessarily give you, you know, superstar the way he was being paid? He doesn't necessarily give you that same value in the playoff during the regular season, but in the playoffs, he's guaranteed to get you like a clutch moment, a goal, an assist, something like that. Courtney Williams is similar, not because she's not going to produce in the regular season. We saw her produce in the regular season. She posted the first two triple doubles of her career. She played um, regular point guard for the first time in her career. And when she was on, she was on. But Tarika, like you said, she has playoff experience. And Sky fans know firsthand what that means because they watched game five of the semis two years ago. And as a I will be the first to admit again and again that I was hesitant about bringing Courtney Williams on because there were times where she could shoot you in the games and there would be times where she could shoot you out of games. You know, volume scorers are like that. But I think seeing it firsthand, what she meant to the cohesion of the team, um, how she was one of the first people out front to take accountability when things didn't go right, and that was so important for this team, I think that I, I would agree. I'd... I would love to have a player like Natasha Cloud. I saw her that she was on the free agency market. 
And she's been somebody that I've wanted on the team for a while, just because I've seen um, how she's played the sky. You need somebody who's just going to like needle and needle and be ready, be ready to throw down at almost a moment's notice. Tiffany Hayes is on free agency. Hey, Ariel hey, Powers. It is. Hey, she's out there. She's out there. I'm just saying. Don't be trying to coach Connecticut now. We are. Right. <laughs> Come on. That, that air, the airport is too far away. <laughs> Need a, need a city with two airport hubs. <laughs> but you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm about to make Scott fans mad at me now, so I apologize in advance. But I only, but I only know how to be honest. I think real, I only know how to be honest. Um, I think the real question to come around: What's good with Marina Mabry? Um, fact of the matter is, there was a lot on the table for Marina. There was a lot on the table. For Marina. And the truth is, Courtney Williams stepped up in a way that Marina Mabry should have for majority of the season, the way that I see it. Um, there were moments where Marina played like, hey, this is the reason why they gave up first round picks for you. Like, this is what we needed to see. This level of offense, this level of experience, this level of leadership is what James Wade saw in you and what we all know that you can produce and what you can do. The problem is it was so inconsistent that it really didn't pan out beneficial for the sky this season. I mean, this th this was a season that any player that wants to show that they were a leader of the team, that they could literally bring forth um, – what can help a, propel a team to the next level. After everything that the sky have been through this year, this was that season to show that. Like, it's all good. We can do more than just say, we'll get past the adversity. This is how we'll get past the adversity. And it just didn't really feel like she was consistent enough to do that. I think Courtney, as, as horrible as sometimes they give her this reputation of being, Courtney is an amazing teammate. And she's an amazing player and she knows how to grind, how to hustle and how to grit. And that shown through for this team in a way that I was hoping would have shown through for Marina and it didn't. So I think that to me is where I would want to, you know, have a conversation if I'm spoon, like, listen, this is what I, if I'm spoon, I'm having this conversation with Marina, like, this is what I need from you. This is what we got to see from you. This is the value that we believe you bring here, but we need you to buy in and actually bring that value here because it was just way too inconsistent last year. So I think that's the one thing where I say to myself, if I'm the general manager, if there's one reason that I want to keep Courtney, if for nothing else outside of the amazing things that she has the ability to do, I know that I need a secure backup plan because Marina may not be the consistent plan that we pan her out to be. This is what that backup plan could be. So that's that's just kind of how I see it. And to kind of bounce off of that, <clears throat> I actually spoke with Marina uh, in the exit interviews about a month ago, and she was extremely thoroughly transparent and accountable. She said her body language sucked at times, and she wasn't the best teammate at times. And she said not only was she thinking that, but her parents, who are very close to her, if you know her, you know her family's tight-knit, they would yeah. send her messages and let her know, like, hey, your body language sucks today. Like, you're so much better than that. You, if you're not having a good game, you're still a leader. You can always be a better teammate. You can help to, you know, make somebody else's game better just by being present. So she's spoken thoroughly, like I mentioned, to being a better person and just in general in terms of an ecosystem of a team. Mm -hmm. I also think that in addition to that, her style of play, 
would benefit more from having a more traditional point guard. And this is obviously not a knock at Courtney. Anybody that listens to the pod or reads my writer knows that I don't just like Courtney's game. I love it. I just think that in terms of the pieces the sky have fully invested in right now, being Kalia Copper and Marina Mabry financially, having a more traditional point guard will help to kind of better uh, better align how the team is structure-wise, where, for example, you look at Natasha Cloud, her pedigree, her leadership, the intangibles, all of that stuff speaks for itself. She knows how to facilitate her offense. She puts players in positions. Look at Ariel Atkins. You see what they did with Brittany Sykes this season, Elena Deladon. You know, she, her, she is just such a true point guard, which is next to everything that Chelsea Gray does. I think Natasha is that in terms of being able to put people in positions and optimize their skill sets in the ecosystem of a team. Natasha is that. Also, the last time the Sky were in the finals, who did they go up against? Skylar Diggins-Smith. And obviously she had uh, Ultimate Alpha and Diana Tarazi on her team, but she was able to put Diana in positions to where, okay, Diana, we need your buckets here. And then, okay, no, not this time. We need you spaced out so that we can hit BG in the post or space out on this side so me and BG can work in a two-person game and we can kind of play the offense that way. I just think that the sky specifically pertaining to Marina Mabry and even Kalia Copper to an extent would be better suited having a more traditional point guard that's experienced doing it to that extent on that level. And again, you can't look, if it's not Chelsea Gray, which obviously she's not available, you look at Skylar Diggins and Natasha Cloud as the two best point guards in the WNBA right now, and not just for their skill sets, but their mindset and leadership and those intangibles that come with that. I would absolutely agree with you and say that any – when you look at the best teams in this league, all of them have a true point guard. Um, and that is one thing um, that is lacking across the league, just in general, just on, not even just on rosters, just in general, like true point guards are lacking. My homegirl, Andrea Carter, says this mm. all the time. That, the young you know, yeah, you know, she a, she a true PG out of Tennessee. And she says right. all the time, like, you know, our position is 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 few and far between. The more that we start to transition into this positionless basketball, where you get you know players like an Alyssa Thomas that can play point forward, players that can really run. You know, it, I ain't gonna say one through five because Alyssa might be the only one that can play one through five for real. <laughs> but you can definitely feel that with this transition to positionless basketball, you're kind of losing some of that essence of having someone who is strate- who is strategically meant to facilitate, to run, to, to run that point guard position. And I think the teams that have found success in this league, as you mentioned, like um, Chelsea Gray for, uh, for the Aces, as you are all too familiar with, and now New York mm-hmm. is as well with mm-hmm. Courtney Vandersloot, when you mm-hmm. have that true point guard, you really do have someone who can help position your offense to be better. So I completely agree with that point. That's a great point. And I know that one one name we didn't necessarily mention, but Sky fans might remember that Minnesota game in the finals run. The team didn't get over the hump until Lasia Clarendon went down and was on the side. And Lasia Clarendon's yeah. another free agent that's available. And I think they would be a good value pick for this team and an experienced player, again, with that all-too-important all too playoff experience. Hey, we, we saw what they did in terms of when they got back into the rotation for the Sparks. The Sparks were, like, obviously they had as much injury adversity as any team not named the Chicago Sky this season. But when they were able to come back and get into the rotation, 
the impact was it was so far past just box score stats and like if you just watched the team was at such a high they were elite they were elite like after the aces and their best lineups and the liberty and their best lineups it was those lineups where Clarendon was in and all of the different ways that as Tarika knows Kurt Miller can mix up his rotations and put the best players on the floor whenever Clarendon was in there they looked like they honestly if she if they didn't get hurt I don't know if the sky would have made the playoffs because that like it was it was that dire in terms of how much they depended on everything that Clarendon brought to the lineup yeah that's the type of impact that they could have in a new situation too potentially agreed agreed Clarendon is amazing and that what I mean separate conversations so I ain't gonna go off on a tangent but Kurt Miller is one of the coaches who absolutely knows how to do more with less. And I think mm-hmm. to pull that full circle, um, depending on what the roster looks like for the sky, we're going to need to see if Spoon is one of those coaches who can pull pull that extra umph out of players. I think she can do it, but I, I know that when it comes to the blueprint of, of, of making something out of nothing, more often than not, Kurt Miller has had to be that coach to kind of make something mm-hmm. out of nothing because injuries have plagued his teams for quite a while. And yet and still, he was able to make the semifinals, make the finals a couple of years, and be on the brink this year of a playoff spot. And you're right, Clarendon was one of the reasons that, you know, they probably were, were right off the end. I think that there are a couple other injuries, too, that made a bit of a difference. Um, but, yeah, like, True point guards make a difference on teams, and good teams have really good point guards that's leading the way for them. And just one quick point to piggyback off of that, Tarika, you have firsthand you saw through all those years with Kurt Miller, through all the injury adversities outside of that last season where they went against the Sky in the semifinals last season, he had Jasmine Thomas there. All of this stuff might be going on around. I still got my rock right here, yeah. and I know that she's gonna be able to put forth whatever scheme or whatever template or offense or defense I want to do. And even more than that, she's going to lead. That's why it's so important. Like, like Tarika just said, all this positionless basketball is dope. The evolution of the game is awesome. You cannot ostracize the point guard position and expect to finish in the, in a, the championship realm of teams. It's just, you just, you can't duck that. So intentionally investing in it and having her be able to handpick who she truly wants is as important as anything. After, of course, the GM situation, like I mentioned, yeah, you you can tell when point guards are speaking because they're like, "Nah, you gotta have, you gotta have your ball distributed." I can't wait for Stephen and Andrea's show where they're gonna, they're, it's gonna sound like Shaq. It's just like you gotta have your one, okay? You gotta have your point guard in the on the floor. <laughs> gotta let them, they gotta let them cook. Right. Right. Andrea gonna hold it down for the point guards. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's take a short break here, y'all, and let you know about Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Fox Lake. They have just joined the CHGO team. And as we've been talking about for the last few weeks, you know, college just started for a lot of people. It's fall, so people are going out to the pumpkin patches, the apple orchards. And you need a car, not just to get there, but you need them to haul all of that produce back to your crib and make your pumpkin pie Make your sweet potato pie if you get somehow you get a, a farm that has pumpkins and sweet potatoes, which would be like sacrilegious. I don't know how they would do that, but they might. Um, but you need a quality car, quality Chrysler, quality Dodge Ram, quality Jeep Wrangler, something that can take you out there, get your road trip to Galena, 
get your leafer road trip up north, all of that. I know, Tarika, I know if you're out in the northeast, you know how the leafers go once the fall hits, going up to New Hampshire and, and Connecticut and all of that. So right now during Ram Power Days at Ray C, uh, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, only in Fox Lake, you'll be able to secure 0% financing or 17% off all new Ram models. And through October 31st, through the end of the month, explore their newly renovated showroom and take advantage of limited time, seven-year anniversary savings. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they are the only team that we at CHGO recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. And for more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox, Ray, in Fox Lake or Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram.com today. Serving the community since 1963. We got to talk about these finals, man. It seemed like it was pretty much going to go the way of the chalk with Las Vegas overwhelming New York in those first couple games. Uh, the Liberty did what they needed to do in game three, but the big story today has been the injuries. Chelsea Gray uh, went down with injury in game three, and now Kia Stokes uh, will be out along with Chelsea for game four. So just easy question. How does this change the the dynamic of the finals for, for, for both teams? Uh, Tariq, I'm going to start with you. Uh, oh gosh, it changed the dynamic of this Aces team for sure. Um, number one, we just had a whole 20 minute soliloquy on how important point guards are. And <laughs> so now this Aces team is going to have to figure out how they can maneuver in Brooklyn, in Barclays. And side note, that place is, when I say it is, the atmosphere in there is bananas. It is loud. The fans are loud. They are they are excited. It is electric. You can feel it. And I know that Las Vegas understands that because they play with a very similar atmosphere at Michelob yep. Arena in Las Vegas. So there is no home court advantage on either side in terms of these teams, or well, let me say that backwards. There is home court advantage on both sides because they know that it's tough to play in each other's building. So if something like this was going to happen, I'm pretty sure they wish that this could have happened in Vegas and not in New York. Um, it is it is just ridiculously loud in there. So there's that. So now you're asking Kelsey Plum to probably to move over to the point guard position um, to try to, to to facilitate this team. Now, Kelsey was a first-round draft pick. She's been with this team since the very beginning of her career in the WNBA. She is very capable. She was the one player on the Aces team in Game 3 who held it down, 29 points from her. So it's not an ability of can she do it. She can. But when you've played with a certain style that has led you to this point against um, a New York team that has figured out how to make some defensive adjustments to kind of slow down some players. You have really put them in a position um, that is going to make this incredibly challenging for Kelsey. Add to that Nokia Stokes. This was already an Aces team that was devoid of size. When you lost Candace Parker, you lost a lot of the size inside. Kia was one of those pieces to play alongside Asia that would give the size not necessarily an advantage, but at least give them some type of leverage against the bigs that you're going to get with a John Quo Jones against a Brianna Stewart. Well, now you don't got that. So now you asking Asia to kind of do this all by herself from an inside presence perspective. And that too is going to be challenging. Um, 
Kayla George is gonna have to step her game, uh, gonna have to step her game up when she comes in. I think Kirsten Bell um, is gonna get a bit more burn time to try to help out in the rotations as well. And again, we have talked about on multiple occasions the depth of the Aces. It hasn't been a factor so far. It is about to be a factor now, and it's most at the most inopportune time. Um, I think from a New York perspective, they just got to continue to do what they did well on Thursday. I mean, on, on in Game Three on Sunday, and that's one they put length on them defensively. Like they they shifted their defensive rotations where you could see um, Stewie was starting to guard Chelsea, and Sabrina was guarding Kia. Don't not nah, don't. Don't y'all tell me how Sabrina was guarding Kia, but she was doing it. She had two blocks. She was quicker than her. She was on on her, um, and it made a difference. So I feel like they need to continue to bring that defensive intensity. Jonquil Jones has to continue to own the glass. She's got to continue to hit mid-range shots. And I think when you do that, you give yourself a good, a very good opportunity to push this thing to game five back in Las Vegas on Friday. Real quick, just want to shout out John in the chat saying Brooklyn was as loud as any playoff game I've ever seen on TV. Shout out to Michael Wilbon. You hate to see a Saint Ignatian go out like that, man. Well, Steven, what you got, man? Well, first of all, I'm not touching that, but he was definitely out of his mind. <clears throat> but I digress. I digress. I digress. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna start with what Tarika mentioned with Stewie guarding Chelsea Gray a lot and just turning a lot of the pick and roll stuff that they like to run with Asia in the switches, and that just completely flattened out everything that the Aces love to do and really kept them perimeter oriented and taking shots late in the shot clock, not necessarily ones that they wanted to take, but New York um dictating to them and making them take shots from the areas of the floor that they would like for them to take. That all is like, I think for equally as much adversity as we're going to see the Aces have to answer to, I think there's also going to be a lot of undoing that New York is going to have to do because they had so – they got ran out the gym in Las Vegas. Let's just put it as it is. They got ran out the gym. They were forced to make changes with their season on the line. Their season is still on the line. The Aces yeah. have another game in their back pocket to play with. In addition to that – if your game plan was so much shifted to guarding and doing things that you haven't really done all season, can you quickly undo them in the middle of a series to address the team that you're going to be going against? Because there's no Chelsea Gray to put Brianna to have Brianna Stewart guard in this upcoming game. Are you going to put Brianna Stewart on Kelsey Plum? I mean, you could, but. Kelsey has a different type of downhill dynamic that Chelsea doesn't have. Like, Chelsea drives to get to her midi buckets and play in the mid-range. Kelsey drives, she's getting all the way to the basket. Like, she's not thinking about a step back or a sidestep or a pullback dribble. She's getting to the basket, and it's either going to be a block shot, a foul, or a bucket and a foul. And so just, like, undoing their scheme and making it fit to the team that they're going to actually be going against in game four, it's going to be interesting to see that play out against the Aces and the adversity that they're going to be going against. I also think that um, Asia did not have her most effective and efficient game. They showed all types of help between John Quill guarding her primarily, and then whenever she had the ball at her spots in the mid-range, it was Stewie showing help from all over the place. 
anytime she got the ball, Stewie was somewhere around her, and she's like, okay, so I can't go there. Now I got to take this jump shot. And John Quill has as much length in the front court as any player in the W. So that makes those shots hard. So figuring out for Asia how she can be effective, is it just getting to the free throw line? Is it being more assertive now with Chelsea Gray being out? Is it being assertive and also playmaking more, which is obviously something that she can do? I feel like she's going to take on more usage than we've seen her take on these playoffs. And if she has an Asia game, even with the injury adversities, adversities that they're up against, that could be enough to win them a game. I also think that one of the Aces role players are going to step up and make something happen. Whether that be Kirsten Bell, whether that be Sidney Colson, somebody's going to step up and they might not have 40 points, but they might hit like four shots that feel like 40 in terms of the magnitude and timeliness over the course of the game. If the Liberty don't get off to a hot start and set the tone and let them know we're going back to Vegas, if they don't do that early and they keep that back door open or even worse, if the Aces get off to a hot start and Asia has 10 of their first 14 points and she just doesn't even see any help because she's just dead eye on the basket, that's going to be a lot for them to deal with. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how those two dynamics for each team kind of marry up in a game that ultimately is still with the uh, Liberty having their season on the line in front of their home crowd. Yeah, no, they definitely have their season on the line. I agree with that. I think the one thing that we might disagree on a little bit is that I think that this New York team has really tried to and had to make adjustments all season long. The thing is, this team is still new, right? And I caught a lot of flack all season long because I was heavily critical on this New York team. And the one thing that I kept saying was, this team does not have time to figure it out. And people were arguing me that it's a 40-game season. They got plenty of time. And then here you go after the All-Star break when they start playing extremely well. I gave them props for playing well. I gave Jocko Jones props because, I mean, I don't know why people are so impressed with her. She's a 2021 MVP. Jocko, she does this. JJ, JJ does this. This isn't impressive. This is how she gets down. And I feel like people ain't been watching if they didn't know that JJ was this cold. You know what I mean? Like she been, she been this cold. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So for so for me, it's more along the lines of you know this team has had to make adjustments all season long because they're still learning even now in October they're still truly learning how to play together and I think if this was any other team other than New York we would be commending how and I'm not saying you haven't I'm just in general I'm saying Mm -hmm. like we would be commending that this team assembled the way it assembled and got this far in one year most teams can't do that. Most teams won't do that. You're still trying to figure out your teammates, figure out each other. And so I think that this team, if in any other, knows how to make those adjustments because they've had to do it all season long. I really feel like the challenge is now going to be on, on Las Vegas to end this. Because, again, their season is not on the line. New York season is on the line. You're adding that momentum, that intensity. You're adding that sense of urgency. And they're playing in their building. And, and you know, Dipset going to be there for halftime. Too, so they really- <laughs> Wait, you know, what? You got, Jim, you got Jim Jones and Joel Santana going to be there for halftime. So if y'all looking for the girl at halftime, I'm going to be on the court. Because this is a Dipset concert for me. 
personally. But that, you know, I'm just <laughs> I'm just adding fuel to the fire that it's a lot that New York don't feel like they need to play for. And in Las Vegas could not have had injuries happen at a more inopportune time than in what could be a closed out game for them if they're able to get it done. Yeah, we for two years, we've talked about how um, relatively thin Las Vegas was on the bench. And the major move that they made was switching out Alicia Clark with uh, switching out D'Eric Hamby for Alicia Clark. But you're still in this position. I mean, obviously, Alicia's going to get time. But I, I just said, I think an hour ago, I expect to see Jackie and Kelsey crashing the glass a bit more on the defensive end. And then helping, you know, helping on the pros play more with the way that John Quill Jones played in game three, the way she's played in the second half of the season. But that all pales in comparison to the fact that Dipset is playing halftime. Yeah. That from Luke, that from Luke to Dipset. But will Jada and the locks be there? No, nah, they probably won't be there. Oh, of course not. They that's they, that absolutely not. They absolutely <laughs> not gonna be there. This that right listen. there. We're Kathy, Kathy's not ready for that one. Friendly, right. We're trying to keep this a family-friendly event, man. Chris out here trying to... Trying to I'm just, I'm just starting it up from that versus... Hold up now. I um, just started up from that pandemic era versus... But I will say this, though. I think you're raising a great point when you mentioned Jackie Young because I haven't talked about her just yet. And if we remember game one, in game one, we didn't need Asia to go off because the guards took over, right? Mm-hmm. And the one guard... Um, that has not been cited just yet has been Courtney Vandersloot. Where you been, Slew? You still in Chicago? Because you ain't in Brooklyn. You ain't been in Brooklyn in a while. You know what I mean? So I think, like, she absolutely is going to have to step up. And we saw a little bit more from her in game three, but I mean just a little bit. She was doing a bit more from a facilitation standpoint, but still hasn't really been like that score. And in game one, Kelsey went off, Chelsea went off, Jackie went off. So much so that I was like, yo, Jackie might end up being finals MVP if they win because she balled in game one and game two, right? So I think to your point, if Jackie Young shows up offensively and we know she can defend, like I I voted Jackie Young on my all defensive team. So I know that Jackie can defend. However, um, if she shows up offensively and drops you 22, 23 points and Kelsey is able to get a couple out of them, um, I don't know what Asia's going to do. Asia could show up and have an Asia game, but at the same time, John Cole had done a great job during the regular season and defended her. And for the most part, tried to do a pretty good job um, putting some pieces together on her and putting together some defensive stops between her and Stewie in game three. And, let's, and, and, and Stewie, in and of herself, showed up in game three. Stewie has not played well offensively throughout this entire postseason, let alone in the finals. But she showed up in game three. So I think it really does just depend on how players play offensively because that's what you're going to need to see from Las Vegas. We know they can defend. They have the number one defense in the country for a reason. But we need to see who's going to step up and put points on the board and facilitate the ball now that Chelsea won't be there. Who's going to be able to help Asia in the post? Because she's not going to have that extra size to go against these this double trouble that's going to be double teaming her. Because you know it. They're going to bring both them bodies on Asia. Somebody else is going to have to do it. They have to get open. It could very well be Jackie Young. And I think to that, to that point, <clears throat> just kind of looking at why some of the reasons why the Liberty saw so much success defensively, because I think they won that game because of how effective – and tenacity and activity 
they were defensively and executing their scheme. Yeah, I think that the Aces have stayed big all season, even when Candace was playing. That's not a small ball lineup. That's just a big lineup with all time level skill between <laughs> between her and Aisha. Like that's that's ridiculous. But my point being, I feel like they're gonna have to lend themselves more to small ball. They usually use that as a as a layer within their rotation, bringing in Alicia Clark to play with Asia, of course. I think now with Kia out, I don't know if they'll necessarily start with that, but I think in the dictating moments of the game, it's going to be Alicia. And with Alicia being on the court, that means that Stewie can't roam the way that she did because who are they going to roam off of? You're not going to leave Kelsey. You're not going to leave Asia, obviously. You're not going to necessarily leave Alicia. You might live with that shot, but she's been knocking down corner three-pointers as good as anybody that's not named Benajah Laney. So... That's like you obviously you're gonna give up something. You're gonna say we'll live with that shot, but that shot could potentially be the fatal one if it's coming from that coffin corner. And Alicia sprays that thing with no hesitation at all. You saw the effect that Kia's couple of three pointers that she hit in the first corner. I think first quarter. I think in game one or two, how that effect had on the, everything that the Liberty were doing defensively. That shot's going up quicker and with a higher clip efficiency efficiency wise from Alicia. And I just think that that's one way that the that the Aces can potentially close things out with that small ball lineup. I think that's going to be a riddle for the Liberty to solve on volume in game five. But I think everything lends itself to the Liberty determining if this is going back or not. Because, again, they're in the, not necessarily in a driver's seat, but because of the momentum coming from the last game, they just, they just got to get it done. The desperation level should not be matched from the Aces to the Liberty. Yeah, you're playing at home. You're playing in front of your fans. There's still, you know, we're still not at a point where there's other things to contend with it. Uh, the Mets, neither the Mets nor the Yankees are playing. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, those are things to consider, right? You don't well, we have know they're not. Neither one of them are playing. <laughs> right. don't, you know, don't make me smile. You know what I'm saying? Don't make me talk about how the Yankees didn't make nothing this year. But you don't have anything to compete with. So you know that the way that Liberty have injected money into their franchise, the way they've really, really used their marketing well, everything is going to be there for them to fill the fill that place up and have it just cracking. I've been to Barclays Center, even up in the top of it, you feel like you're on top of the action. And it was a really, really good place to watch a basketball game. Uh, maybe the seats in the corners were a little bit difficult, but that was it. So you have to play like everything is up for you. Like like my man said in the replacements, there is no tomorrow for you unless you win. And I think that, you know, Benajelani, we didn't talk enough about, you know, that's the story of her season. We didn't talk enough about Benajelani in this last segment. She has the chance to absolutely eat. And I mean, devour what anybody that the, that the Aces throw at her uh, in this next game. Uh, quick predictions before we go to our closing segments. Who wins game four? I'm I'm taking the Liberty in game four. Same. I got fair, the Liberty. To be fair, I picked the Aces in five. So this just this is actually oh. right in my I initially picked the Aces in five anyway. So barring injuries, I still thought that that the Liberty would win game four. So you would have gotten real good odds on that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I had I had aces in four. I felt like they were gonna do what they did at home and lose one of the games back um, in obviously in New York. 
Um, so I had aces in four. I think it's going to be aces in five now. Obviously, that's contingent upon the health status of Chelsea Gray and Kia. Um, but I do think the Liberty will win game four, and they'll be going back to Las Vegas for game five. I think so, too. But um, I don't know. We've seen stranger things happen. And I think I, ke- I keep going back to that game that the, the Aces won to close out Dallas. That was a, a kind of a slugfest. And they have their full complement of players for that. But I've seen them, uh, this team, be able to win those types of games. I've wanted to see Kirsten Bell, what she could do with extended time on the floor for a couple years now. So I'm excited to see that. But I'm still taking the liberty in game four. All right. We've been building up to it all show long. The Hmm. Phoenix Mercury today hired Nate Tibbetts, assistant coach for the Orlando Magic, um, career assistant coach in the league, to be their new franchise head coach. Um, super uh, taking over for uh, Nikki Blue, who closed out the season for Phoenix after Vanessa Nygaard was let go earlier in the season. As Michael Vopel of ESPN said, uh, Nate has no previous experience in the WNBA and his only previous head coaching role was in the NBA's G League. And Tarika, I'm just going to turn it right over to you because I know you've been bursting at the seams to talk about this one. I just can't stand it. I can't stand it. I cannot stand how we are continuing to act as if there are no qualified coaches in the WNBA system, not even just, not even in the NCAA women's basketball system. We completely look over all of the amazing coaches who we currently already have to go to the NBA to pick a guy who ain't never coached women's basketball before, who ain't never coached in a real head coaching role. No shade to the G League. I'm just saying the NBA is great. The NBA has a great coaching tree for for the NBA. But I just started this particular show by saying we have greats of the game in the WNBA and we have so many people who have been a part of the women's basketball uh, uh, trajectory from its infancy stages until now, that it baffles me how we are making these decisions when it comes to selecting a head coach. I was critical when 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 the Sparks selected Derek Fisher. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are we, what are we doing? Who, I know that Derek Fisher can ball, but at the end of the day, what qualifies him to be a head coach at, uh, at this league? And that's the thing that kills me as well, because you're not just picking people off the street who ain't never coached in the NBA before ever at any level to be dubbed to be NBA head coaches. You ain't picking WNBA coaches to be head coaches. You ain't just shifting people from the women's game and throwing them in the men's game, but you will absolutely take someone with no experience and throw them in the men's game. And then, and then what really adds insult to injury is that this team was just recently coached by Nikki Blue a former WNBA player, a former coach on both the WNBA and the NCAA level. Like, you gonna take her and then tell her, no, we straight. After giving her your mess to clean up, because that's essentially what you did, you gave her your mess to clean up and then mad that they only won seven games. Well, I mean, maybe 
you had not hired Vanessa Nygaard from the jump, because we told you about that foolishness too, then you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. But here we are. I feel like Matt Ishbia wants to do the right thing. He's invested money into a new facility. I love that. He's talked about how he wants to really galvanize this, this, the, the organization and get the fans to buy in and all this other stuff. And I believe that. But what you're doing right now is you're insulting the many people who have given years and time to this organization. And then on top of that, to put the icing on the cake, you do this crap three days after we just hear that Spoon got hired for the highest paid position in the league, bruh. Is this person better than Becky? We don't know. And and I and I want to be clear. This ain't no shade to you, Nate, because Nate, I don't know you. I don't know. You could be a very good coach. You could be a great coach. But the point is, is that there are spots in this league that should go to people who are genuinely qualified to coach in this league. And you have not proven that you are able to coach in this league. It is ridiculous how people just throw opportunities to coach in the WNBA that they would never throw to people in the NBA. It makes me sick. And to be even more honest, y'all, Orlando ain't been good and I don't know how long. I don't even know if your assistant coaching business, like for real, for real, I don't even, I don't even know if I trust you. Orlando ain't been nothing to write home about for me to even think that I could trust you. So at the end of the day, you know, and I don't want people to think I'm anti-male. I'm not anti-male because here's the thing. If you had gave this bag to Kurt Miller, who has been coaching in women's basketball from Bowling Green, all the way through now would have been great. He earned it. He deserved it. He's a winner. He's got the respect of the players. It makes sense. But who is this guy? Who are you? Who are you? What makes you qualified? People have to got, have to stop treating the WNBA like it's a throwaway league and you can just give anybody the opportunity. Head coaches need to earn their role in the W the same way they earn their role in any other professional sporting league. That's all I'm saying. I'll leave it at that. I could not agree more with that. I just looking at it from a little bit of a different lens. I wonder who was it that A found him and B decided that he was the guy to be the coach. Because if you are looking at options across the entire W, and we know there are plenty of coaches that are on current staffs that are assistants that are primed to be taking that next step. They're just waiting for someone to take that chance on them. The opportunity. How do you skip Correct. How do you skip over all of those coaches that qualify in that specific lens? And then, like Tarika said, not just on the W level, you can look at the college programs. How many college programs in, w, in women's basketball have these this cachet about the culture and everything that they have going on. Yeah. You're telling me you couldn't find an assistant coach from one of those teams that's overqualified and again, waiting for an opportunity, whether that be on the W side of things or from another collegiate program to take the reins and do what they do and test themselves in that perspective. I don't, I don't nah, that's that's not it. <laughs> I do I love I do love that and Chris knows because I covered the Phoenix Suns. I love Matt Ishbia's initiative in terms of putting his money where his mouth is, um, investing in the program, investing in the community. Yeah. I, I'm not going to necessarily say that this was just outlandish because, again, I can't point the finger unless I know exactly who it was that was the person that found Nate to be the coach. I will say this is a speed bump, though, 
because wasn't that their general manager? It was the general manager, was it not? It, what? Because mm, like, uh, you know, because that's, that's, that's the guy that got from the Warriors. Yes, correct, correct, correct. So, I'm, assuming what his position is and what his job is in terms of that, it had to that that's the only connecting piece that would make that make sense. And that's a blemish on his on his tie, on his side of things as well, even more so. It just seems like it was a decision that was made that was very much out of touch. Like Diana not, Taurasi has more WNBA coaching experience <laughs> yes. than Yes, this is, and that is that is a joke. I I I don't I don't like that. Nah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I I can't add anything more than that. Um, it's. Read, read Michael Vopel's uh, thread on this on Twitter. That's at M-A Vopel, V-O-E-P-E-L, for anything that you did not hear Tarika already say. <laughs> but she put about as fine a point of it on, on it as you can. And Stephen, obviously, as you said, but I think this is important to know, to realize that it doesn't discount everything that Matt Ishby has done with the Mercury organization, which they desperately needed after Robert Sarver's tenure, but it does put a speed bump in the way of things. So it's up to them to correct it. We've seen teams do that. We've seen teams correct their mistakes. Even at this point in time, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets hired a, made a bad choice for head coach, let him go before training camp. This just happened. So this is not to say that Nate Tibbetts won't be good, but I don't think that uh, we, none of us think that he was the right person for the job. Um, last thing, as we have for today's show, Region Rev, appreciate you coming in for the show. Got a bounce. We'll catch the rest later. Uh, two years ago today, October 17th, the Chicago Sky won their first WNBA championship. To this date, they are the last professional sports team in Chicago to hoist a championship trophy. Um, we've seen people leaving their memories. Zach Knopf, uh said he was at the game with his wife and his 83-year-old mom. Um, Ace Faces, one of our great fans, uh, just was, I think, I think she said that she couldn't believe it happened while it was happening. That was the feeling that I had in that arena. My partner was there. She, I think that was her first WNBA game she came to. And she was like, I can't, this is all exciting. She was, she was really hyped for that. Nice. But I'll, I want to go to y'all, what, um, wherever you were, where were you game four? when the sky uh, clinched the championship? I was in Winterest. I was right there on the court filming. I was working at the time. I was a part of ESPN social media. I remember so that. I was standing right next to my um, coworker, Tessa, who was the one that grabbed the footage of Candace telling Layla to come here to hug her. So we were literally right next to Candace and Layla and her mom and her now wife, we didn't know it was her wife at the time, but it was her now wife. Um, so we were right there in Wintrust at the celebration. Um, we hit the after party too, but we ain't gonna talk about that on the show. So, uh, <laughs> Why are you big time in? It was a great, it was a great time. Great, great, great time. Yeah, I was um I was at home watching. I was the I wasn't in person yet. I didn't get to in person until the following season. So I was at home watching, taking the professional hat off and also just being a fan a little bit too. Um, giving 
just the, all the adversity that that team went up against from injuries to being 500 all season and getting in at the last second to getting it out the mud, literally from the bottom seed all the way up to the championship and hoisting the trophy. Um, it was fun. It was fun. That was, that was just a moment in Chicago sports history. And I'll take it a step even further, Chris. No other Chicago sports team has made the playoffs every season since then either, except the Chicago Sky. So people are talking about Chicago doesn't have playoff teams and all of this and that. That's not accurate because this team has, even against with all the eyes stacked against them this past season, made the playoffs again. There's a standard here. Most definitely. Uh, been, only missed the playoffs two seasons out of the last nine. And Teresa Weatherspoon, the eighth franchise head, the eighth coach, head coach in franchise history. Um, not to discount Emre's interim tag, but the Sky, since they first went to the playoffs with Pokey Chapman, I think are 33 games over 500 in that span. And that's a lot to live up to. You Even in a, in a league with 12 teams, soon to be 14, it means something to make the playoffs. And uh, it was exciting being at that game four. I posted on Twitter that it was like riding the Iron Wolf at Great America. You're on the standing roller coaster. Because that postseason, man, for I thought they were not going to beat Minnesota. And then they, they beat Minnesota. And I was like, it's house money now. You just got to get through it. And there's so many things to, that people forget that uh, not to bring up bad memories. That Miss Brienne January layup in game uh, mm. three of the semis, I think, that would have mm-hmm. closed the game out. Why? Or would have took it to. Because well, I was like, that, I, when that happened, it felt like the single game elimination against the, the Aces again, because Sloot, for all of her greatness, made what looked like kind of a panic play. And I mm-hmm. thought the game was going to overtime. And then just so many things not only fell right, but that team did so many things right. That game three destruction that I James Wade poked fun at me in the press conference, like, because uh, I said it was going to be the toughest game that this guy won that season. And then they ended up winning by 36. And he in the press conference mm-hmm. was like, yeah, it wasn't that close of a game, was it? And I completely <laughs> forgot, forgotten that I said that. <laughs> so for game three to be the party it was on Friday night and for game four to happen on Sunday afternoon the way it did, the, nobody was stand, Nobody was sitting down in the place from the last two thirty-two and a half minutes on. Treasure these days. Treasure these days, Sky fans. Uh, Tarika, appreciate you for coming on the show, for speaking your mind, for speaking your peace. Please, 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 please let everybody know where else they can catch you since they got the 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 gift to see you on our show today. Yeah, thank you guys so much again for having me. Um, I've been a fan of CHGO for a while. My homegirl, Sabria Whitaker, used to be on the show as well. So I have been a fan of the show for a while. So I appreciate you all inviting me on. Um, you can always catch me on X, formerly known as Twitter, as She Knows Sports. I am on um, Instagram as well, as She Knows Sports underscore. Um, so feel free to hit me up on either platform um, and just, you know, I'm, I'm very easily accessible. All of my DMs and stuff are open. So um, anything that you want to share with me or bring to my attention or just, you know, talk to me about, just hit me up. I'm available. Please, please do. Ask Tarika why Chicago House Music is the best. Um, you mean the best after Detroit mix music? Oh, <laughs> No, sincerely, that is definitely true. I reached out to Dorica on um, on on X on Twitter, and she came back and said, "Yeah, 
would happily be on the show. And honestly, I, I appreciate that. You don't necessarily find that from a lot of people in this media space, even as welcoming and understanding as it can be. So sincerely appreciate you for being on the show. Uh, look for Tarika at She Knows Sports on X, on Twitter, on whatever you call Elon Musk's baby at this point in time. Right. <laughs> as always, follow Steven at Stay True S.3. That's Stay True S.3. He's going to have a lot coming on the Phoenix Suns, but also on the Chicago Sky offseason. Dana Evans put up 28 26 in their first league games in Turkey, by the way, if y'all didn't already know. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Twitter at Quandary Kitten. That's K W A N D A R Y Kitten. Talking about how somehow, some way, Hakeem Jeffries will be the next Speaker of the House. Because uh, Jim Jordan is is not that guy. <laughs> this, this has been the CHGO Sky Show and Political Hour. Right. <laughs> On the All City Sports Network. Thanks to the producer, Greg Braggs Jr., behind the scenes helping us out today. And as always, everybody at the CHGO Sports, follow CHGO underscore sports on Twitter. Till next time, folks, keep your feet on the ground and your head above the clouds. Y'all silly like the mayor.